Welcome to What Is It About the Weather, a podcast where we explore the many ways in which weather intertwines itself into our lives. I'm your host, Mark Jelinek. This week, our question is, how sweet is your weather? But before we dive into trying to answer that, I want to touch base on a couple things. First, I saw that Amazon is now getting into podcasting. Everybody seems to be getting into podcasting. I'll look into it. You know, with all these things, if it's easy enough to add, I don't mind doing it as long as there's not a lot of maintenance that goes with it. More and more of them are getting to where essentially I just put the standard feed in their directory and it just pulls it up. So it's not a big deal. There's not a lot of maintenance to go on, but you know, you'll hear more from me about that. Like I said, Google's ramping down their thing and ramping up the other thing. I still haven't seen what I, I need to load their app to get a sense of how that things look and work in there. And if there's anything I need to tweak, but keep an eye out. I'll mention it once the Amazon thing is live, you know, I don't mind. Like I said, doing these things, it's just funny that everybody seems to want to play in that game. Now, everybody thinks that podcasts are hip, good place to be. So forthcoming, I guess. I also wanted to take a moment. Patreon, as you know, I've used Patreon as a way to kind of keep the podcast cost neutral or revenue neutral. Really not a moneymaker, but it is a way for me to offset the things that come along, whether it's equipment, whether it's the hosting fees for you know storing the podcast or you know the basic website. I, the website's gotten a little more simple over time, so I don't have as much cost there. But all the things that I do have some cost associated with it. I'm not charging for my time. That's not really my goal. But I wanted to thank some people that have recently joined and started participating in Patreon again now that I've been turned on, I guess, the the cost feature, if you will, or the, the charge feature. But Patreon's not cooperating this afternoon, so I'll try to get to those folks next week. But do keep in mind that that is out there, and I do appreciate all the folks who support the podcast actively at www.patreon.com slash weather, and that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Well, I hope change of season, let's get into a little bit of weather here, is upon you. I know it really, really, I've mentioned it's kind of been nipping at my heels, if you will, but for sure, it kicked into full gear this past week for me. I woke up a couple mornings, actually, that the low temperatures were around eh, 45, 46 Fahrenheit, or around 8 degrees Celsius. It was just nice. I like that. I like to be able to open the windows and actually wake up and it be cold, right? Be a little, I don't know, influencing my morning behavior. I, I think we're going to have that as a future topic. Actually, that was one that hit me this week. But for those that are in more tropical climates and that don't appreciate the seasonal changes, and maybe, you, you know, if you're in tropical climates, you don't want the seasonal changes. I've always found them refreshing. Fall is no doubt my favorite season, just from a things to do standpoint. It, it invigorates me to get out and be outdoors. I like the smells of fall and the visuals of fall. But each season, as we go through the changes of seasons, it, it's just, uh, I don't know, it kind of kickstarts me a little bit and you can kind of feel the different seasons as they come and go. And I've always liked that. But hopefully those that are enjoying a change of season, maybe in the Southern Hemisphere, you're heading into spring and it feels good. And uh, you may like that. 
those in the tropics that don't get as much of one, sorry, maybe you can visit one. <laughs> and those, you know, who are enjoying the midst of, of your favorite season right now as it's kicking in, hopefully, the best to you in these weather-related times of change. All right. How sweet is your weather? Now, there were three things that's happened to me recently that kind of brought this topic to mind. So, you know, by then it's just a reminder, hey, you need to get to this topic. The most recent one actually was being in a store this week and just being inundated with, you know, Halloween candy displays. Now, I know Halloween's probably not going to be the same for everybody as it's been in years past. But it doesn't seem to stop the manufacturers from pushing out a lot of candy, right? Halloween candy. Now, I always enjoy Halloween candy because, you know, you, you do get some things that maybe you don't find other times of year as easily. And in this day and age, most of the time now you can kind of find things year-round that you didn't used to be able to. But when I was a kid, there were things that you just never saw the rest of the year, right? But even now, they're just... I guess one of the things I also like is they come in the bite sizes. So you get some portion control kind of pushed on you if you can stand not to open a bunch of individual portions, which maybe the it, it slows you down at least, makes you pause for a little bit. But Halloween candy essentially is just taking sugar and putting different flavors in it. And it, you know, made me start to think, well, you know, is this sugar? I mean, You know, we hear the goods and bads about how it is for you, but, you know, our body operates on sugar. We use sugar in a lot of things we do, and it's not all bad. You know, plenty of fruit has natural sugars. But what about the sugar we eat? Where does it it really come from, and how does weather impact those things? Now, when you think about traditional sugar, like sugar you might, you know, use a spoon and put it in cooking or some coffee or tea or whatever it is, that generally comes from two places, sugar cane, which is a tropical crop, and sugar beets, which is more of a temperate crop that has its grounding more in, in parts of uh, Europe and Asia, but it's, of course, migrated to North America and South America as well and grown, again, not in those tropical areas. So as an example, in the U.S., you can have sugar cane production in the southern states, like a Florida or a Texas whereas you might have sugar beet production in the upper Midwestern states, as an example. Logical things you would think of are going to impact that production, right? Maybe it's too cold. Maybe it's not enough sun because really sugar is produced by, you know, the leaves creating it and then it tends to get stored in another part of the plant. But it's kind of really easy to see or imagine how it's going to impact those things, right? Maybe it's too dry. Maybe it's, you know, too much drought. Maybe it's too much rain. All these things, too much clouds. It can all come into play. But there are other sources and increasing sources of sugar from other places as we look for maybe more healthy options. Because we've learned not all plant elements that the way they end up in our system make our system respond the same way. So how we utilize sugar and the type of sugar, right? How we get those things into our body and how our body chemically responds might be different for different types. And so there's things that have become more popular. Coconut sugar is an example of one. Now it doesn't actually come from the coconut. It comes from the plant itself. 
So it's a little more like cane sugar. Date sugar is another. And this is very popular in regions where dates are grown. And it's a little different in that the other ones, you're using part of the plant. This you truly are using the fruit. And the date is just dried and, and ground up. And then, of course, there's the old favorite corn syrup. Well, not so favorite. I was reading about this and the process of corn syrup. Um, I understand why it gets used. And kind of like the other crops, you can imagine the impacts of weather on, on growing seasons in general. But the process of actually creating sugar from corn, it's an interesting read. I don't know if I actually have a link in the show notes. Let me check down here in my notes here real quick if I actually put a link in there. Um, I think maybe I didn't because it, it, as the person who wrote the article that I read about said, anywhere where you have to use acid to break down something to get to <laughs> the, the sugar, if you will, didn't seem like something he wanted to eat. And that's kind of why it's gotten a bad rap over time. Still used quite a bit, right? And it's created in high amounts. Not considered a particularly healthy sugar, but it fills a void. And it's used all over the world, right? But there's been some backlash because it's not considered a natural sugar, if you will. But, you know, all these things, whether it's the corn that goes into corn syrup, whether it's sugar cane, sugar beets, coconut sugar dates, for that matter, it's, it's a very logical thing when you think about weather and impacts. It's it's mostly about the growing season. Outside of that, you know, production's mostly done inside in manufacturing facilities, and you're not going to see that much of, a, of an issue. Now, as we can all, you know, relate to, sugar kind of like, whether it's salt or other grains, you know, too much humidity can make it clumpy, other things we might run into like that. But no, I didn't find any big surprises that made me want to focus on that. So I was, and then I had another thing that hit, right? Fall season, just in general. I mean, I was talking to you about that. And as the air gets filled more with the smells of fall, I'm seeing more in the grocery store of the things that remind me of fall, whether that's apples as a primary one, as an example, that I've always thought of and associated. If there's if there's one crop or one fruit that I've always kind of felt is fall or just sim- symbolizes what fall is to me, it's apple. And it is not just the apple itself, but things that are produced from apples, and particularly apple cider being one of them. As apple cider, you know, the benefit is you can enjoy apple drinks, whether they're chilled over ice if it's a warmer fall day, or you can heat it up and have a nice apple hot apple cider and even maybe add in a little adult flavoring in there if you like that sort of thing when it's a little cooler outside so I've always liked that but some people like apple pies and all that stuff it's just it smells and flavors that I very much enjoy I'm not much of a fan of apples themselves but I do like them in their many derivative forms but what you might not know and I thought this was kind of interesting is that apples are the third by weight, the third largest production fruit in the world each year. Now, they, they're third ranked to bananas and watermelons. Bananas kind of got me, but bananas is a huge crop all over the world. Right? A lot of consumption of bananas. Watermelon was second, and I think that's more a function of how heavy watermelons are in general, You know that there's that big rind that goes with the production of each watermelon. But then some other things I didn't know. China produces half of the world's apples. Half of the world's apples. U.S. is second, but only like 10% of what China produces. Now, 
the European Union as a whole is in there, but as individual countries, they all fall underneath the U.S. But as a group, Europe would be second and and the U.S. third, but both of them still pale in comparison to China. You have different varieties, of course, different goals. Some of them are sweeter. Some of them are going to be more tart, like like Granny Smith apple kind of creates that tart flavoring, not as sweet, whereas others have a high sugary content and are going to give you that sweeter flavor. But what's interesting about that is weather can actually drive, and this isn't just with apples. Apples is where this kind of thing I found out, you know, kind of got started with this. Weather has a huge influence on how sweet or juicy your apples are going to be. And what you might want to think about for a moment, and this is true with other you know, types of fruits and, and actually many crops that we see. If you want big juicy ones, you're going to probably get a lot less flavor. So if you have a wet year, you're probably going to get a lot of good juicy crops. There's going to be the big fruit. It's going to be kind of moist when you bite into it, you know, kind of drippy, whether that's an apple or a peach or a nectarine or whatever it is, right? On the flip side, if you get some dryness in the season, fruit's going to be a little smaller, but the flavors are going to be much more concentrated. Now, it's logical when you think about it, but maybe you don't think about it as you're going through the year. So if the growing season, and it can have different influences at different times of the year, and and I guess the best way I know to relate this, and this is where I learned about this effect, and I hadn't really thought about it in a long time, was growing tomatoes. And tomatoes are a crop that if you give the plant too much water, it actually throws it to the fruit, right? Your, your instinct is, oh, keep that plant watered, keep it watered. And the, you know the tomatoes will be big and plump and healthy and all that. But if they get too much water, they split. And it's actually a bad thing. You don't really want that. So there's probably some happy medium. And naturally, we would assume that, right? You want a growing season that has the right amount of water. Because a lot of crops that are grown in regions are grown for around the norms. And actually, when there's a moist season, it can be harmful for a lot of reasons. More fungus can grow on the plants. Not only do they get too big and too juicy, right? But we also tend to have market failures or the prices become so low that the farmers have a hard time making money when it's a juicy year. So it's great to not have drought going on, but it can be detrimental in many other ways. Fall season is also a time of year, kind of end of summer, early fall is when you know we tend to get the primary season for getting honey. And honey is another thing kind of flavor I think about with all a lot of times because it's tied with apple things. But bees are producing honey to make it through the winter. And the kind of peak of that production and, and harvesting of honey for those that, you know, the crops that are specifically grown to create honey for consumption happens about this time of year. Again, another thing that fits fall with me. Now, another one that I didn't even dig into was boiled peanuts, but yeah, that's a Southern thing. I'm not going to bore you guys with that. But an interesting thing about bees, not only do they do all the cross-pollination and that's, you know, even in tree farms, you'll find that there's usually a, like crabapple trees that are planted in the middle 
for the whole purpose of cross-pollination and, and things like that. But bees play, as we all kind of understand now, a very critical role in making sure all our crops are happy, right? But what you might not know, and this might be a topic for a future episode, is bees as weather forecasters. I'm not going to dig into it today because I, I saw a couple of articles on this. Uh, we'll see if there's anything there or not. It may just end up being one of those things that I give you guys a, a short update on. I'm not sure how much. We've talked about a little bit about animals and weather before. I'm not sure if on their own bees are going to be enough to run forward with. But that fall season was number two. So Halloween candy definitely kind of in my face in the store. Fall season just upon me. As I mentioned last week, it really felt that way when I was waking up. And so the smells that are coming around, and I'll get more of that. I'm going to be doing a trip up into the mountains here in, in upstate New York in a couple of weeks. And I'm sure all those kind of flavors will come to me. But the last was the trip to Maine that I took a few weeks ago. Now, it was starting to seem a little bit like fall there. And anytime I get into those areas where maple syrup is made, I just, you know, want to stop and buy some if I can. And that can be going to Canada or it can be in places like Maine or Massachusetts or some of the northern regions of the U.S. Now, I grew up, I grew up having imitation syrup, if you will, with, with pancakes or stuff on, on breakfast. The Log Cabin was probably the brand that, that my family used most. And I used to think, you know, that was syrup. And it's supposed to be this, you know, taste like syrup thing when it probably is corn syrup of some kind, but it's supposed to take, taste like maple syrup. The first time I had real maple syrup, it's kind of disappointing because it didn't taste anything like that. It's a lot less sweet. And we get back to this sugar thing. It, as a sugar, is considered pretty healthy because its sugar levels are much lower than standard sugar. But what I didn't know, and I'd never really thought about, until, I don't know, 10 years ago. So when, when I was living in places um, that had maple syrup, it was more like 20 years ago now, how time flies. It's the first time I kind of saw it produce. So I went to an area and saw the little, you know, plugs that they put in trees to drain the syrup. Is Your instinct might tell you that maple syrup is, this is the time of year, trees are going dormant. Well, actually, it's not. So this isn't a fall thing at all, even though I was reminded about it when I was in a region where, you know, syrup is kind of produced. It's a spring thing. Okay. Now, this time of year, late summer and fall, trees start to shut down. And there are things in the weather leading up to that that can have a, an influence on how the tree is prepared for syrup season, if you will. But it's actually the spring melt when sap starts to move again in the tree that we get syrup. Now, it's tricky. And that was what kind of surprised me. It's, it's a very subtle thing to get optimal syrup. Sap is full of mostly water, okay? The sugar content is a very small amount, which is why syrup is boiled down. Essentially, the sap is taken out of the tree, syrup's boiled down, or it's boiled down to create the syrup. But the best way to get it, the optimal time is for freezing nights, but days that get up about 40 degrees Fahrenheit, okay, that's about 5 degrees Celsius. 
it's in that vicinity, but too much warmer and the sap stops producing sugar. It's not that it doesn't flow anymore, but the sugar goes away. And that doesn't do anybody any good. Everybody wants the syrup or sugar content, you know. No one wants to just have sap on their pancakes, do they? I don't think so. So it needs to be that kind of sweet spot. And, you know, I was reading a lot of articles, and not surprisingly, like a lot of things, there's a lot of talk about climate change, but not so much that it's necessarily impacting the production at all, but it's thrown off when the optimal season is. The trickier part is that these trees, like a lot of trees and a lot of plants in general, need a pretty hard winter to you know kill off insects and really create that optimal dormant state. But when they start going in the spring, doesn't matter where when it is, whether it's February or April, because some of the articles I also read about late harvest seasons as well as early harvest seasons, you know, we we just like to talk about when things aren't the way we anticipate them. I guess how tricky it is, but there's a lot of things that have gone on to, you know, make the process a little better. And even you, I mean, that was one of the articles I found. And I think the link is in the show notes. If you have a maple tree in your yard, you can actually make your own syrup. You can learn how to get the taps, pull the sap out, boil it down and have your own syrup. Probably enough that's just right for what your use personal uses are without having to go elsewhere and buy it. But again, it's not as much as I think of kind of that end of season and a growing season. It's not. It's the beginning of the growing season, really before the growing season gets too far kicked in that maple syrup is produced. So little flip-flop, right? So these three things, while I thought about them all in association with fall, Halloween's definitely that fall, that big fall holiday, the fall scents and seasons that going dormant of the trees – but each of them are influenced weather in different ways, right? Some of them are influenced during the peak of the growing season, the middle of summer. Others on how the winter is and how the spring kicks off. And some right as we wrap up to the fall season. So year round, not surprisingly, your sweet tooth <laughs> and how sweet and good your sweet tooth is, is influenced by the weather. All right. I'm going to let you... Get on to enjoying your fall if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, your spring in the Southern Hemisphere, or wherever it might be. I will close you out with something. Been a lot of talk of the hurricane season. Actually, in the past day, you know, it's, uh, we're finally, we went from all these weeks where I've been talking about how busy it is in the North Atlantic, right, with hurricane season. And just in the past day, there are no active systems on the map. There's nothing showing up. Nothing predicted, nothing showing up. And there are, you know, some reasons for that. I actually was reconnected with a meteorologist friend of mine who teaches at the Naval Academy who had written some papers about this. There's something we call, it's called the MJO for short. It's the Madden-Julian Oscillation. And don't get hung up and worry about it. But you hear a lot of times weather forecasting being very short range next couple of weeks. And then you hear about seasonal forecasting. Like, well, this little MJO thing is something that slides in between those two timeframes. We call it subseasonal, And it's the way the pattern works. And this is a pattern that kind of moves across zones of the globe. And there are different 
places where it's positions, where it's amplified, that also then helps North Atlantic tropical cyclones form. It encourages their development, if you will. So we have this underlying state, you know, some things that happen at long-term scales, ocean heat, right, that kind of feeds these storms. But the atmosphere's got to cooperate as well. And this can be kind of either a dampening or an enhancing element. And this person, this meteorologist I reconnected with, I was thinking about him because all of a sudden I was watching the North Atlantic go blank. And my first instinct was to check this thing. And I, and I told him that. And he, he agreed that that's exactly what was going on. As we're seeing this thing right now where it's in a phase or in a position where it's dampening the behavior in the Atlantic base. Doesn't mean we're done, even though we're still in the prime of the season. But sometimes this is why you hear it. Even though we're in the midst of what should be the busiest part of the season, and it's been a very busy season, we'll get to that in a moment. We're not necessarily seeing all of the season being amplified in terms of activity. All right. This other question that I've gotten a lot, which is how do I rate the season in terms of busy? Sure, the names are there, but we've talked about, and I've even alluded to it, you know, we don't necessarily have an overabundance of hurricanes or major hurricanes, or particularly in terms of something we do to measure how active a season is, which is the actual energy produced by these storms or measuring the storms in terms of how powerful they are and how long that power lasts. So we have something called ACE. I'm not going to get into the details of it today. But it's a way for us to kind of rank maybe in a more complete way. It's kind of like you know why we have only a scale that judges the wind. So this gives us a, an understanding of how much energy has been created in the basin over a hurricane season. And while it's certainly higher than normal right now, it's not outside of what I would call a normal range. And if things don't kick up with a lot of powerful storms in the end of the season, you know, you're going to hear all these news stories about how many storms we had this year and, and you know, how this year stands out. But in terms of how much energy was produced, it may not be all that abnormal this season. Something we'll keep an eye on, and I promise I'll report on at the end of the season, but I'm going to probably stop talking about tropical cyclones and you know, for now. And it's been made easy because there aren't any going on. All right, time for me to let you go. You know how to get hold of me. What is it about the weather at gmail.com? You can also reach me on Twitter. What is it about the weather? You can reach me, Mark underscore Jelinek as well there. I'd love to hear from you, whether it's a topic idea, whether it's feedback on something we've already talked about. You just want to share something that you came across, whatever it might be. Don't hesitate to reach out and touch base. Let me know your interesting aha moments as you go through this transition of seasons. Because as we all know, there's much more to weather than the weather itself.